Okay, welcome back to Musa. The only way to go. Deep inside this Rebbe Ruchim and getting, as time goes on, living with this idea for me is, is helping me to like clarify, but still, there's still a lot to go. Rebbe Ruchim said like this astonishing thing. Listen to this. This is his words. You know, like, I don't know if you've, you've met people who are like very medactic in mitzvahs. Um, you know, like they want to make sure one of the things you can be like super medactic in is in filling. Filling have to be black and they have to be perfectly square. And you've got like, you get these like special measuring instruments that you can w- measure the squareness of your filling. So uh, you get like, you know, people who are medactic in mitzvahs, they're like on the board that they, they're making sure that's called the ribua. Ribua in Tfilin is mamish perfect. So listen to Rebbe Yucham's comparison. And this is like, this is huge. You know, like I have no idea. I have no idea how huge this is. But listen to Rebbe Yucham's comparison. His comparison is like this. He says that, remember one of the precedents he used to find this a, a source that we have to be, that Hashem communicates through nature. And by guarding nature, in other words, by using our rational ability to figure out what would be the appropriate and reasonable thing to do in the situation by understanding all the working mechanisms of the complexity of our natural world. Muscles and muscles and no, uh, no cross chats, my friend. It needs to be tranquilized. Yeah. It's not me. It's not me. Okay, good. So, Rebbe Rebbe used Esau as a as a as a precedent to say that you know when you're in a relationship, well, how should you deal with the relationship? So now, this is why I also want to go very explicitly against these approaches that preach this like super emuna, the super bitachon, that you completely disregard the normal course of nature and you could just be like. You could be like, Hashem's in control, and therefore I don't have to pay attention to nature. That, as I've said before, that's apicorosus. Because when you say, I don't have to pay attention to nature, Hashem's in control, you're actually saying, nature is something not that, that's not Hashem. Hashem didn't want nature. And that's like, that's really scary. But it's also just like so unhealthy in terms of healthy building of oneself in their life. So the first thing you have to do when you're in a relationship is figure out how that relationship is working with a person, knowing them and understanding the elaborate and complex cause and effects that actually um, are present in the interaction between two people. Um, so, so Bjurchum basically uses Asov and Yaakov's interaction to be the precedent for how we have to respect the reality of the human being with his complexities and his emotions. And that's nature. And that's Hashem communicating to you through these laws. And he wants you to work within that paradigm. He wants you to work within that. And now he says an astonishing statement, which is just beautiful. That when Yaakov Avinu gave the present to Esau, in order to appease him, understanding the working mechanisms of Asaph's midas and his hatred for him, he 
sent, not only did he send a series of gifts which are livestock, but he actually he sent them staggered so that they wouldn't all arrive at once. Look at this word, the Rebuchim. The Be'emes, ein chiluk klal bein mitzvah's teva le mitzvah's tefillim. That there's no difference between the mitzvah of teva and the mitzvah of tefillin. Lochein, that's why Yaakov was medaktek in all the details, and just like he measured the distance between the flocks with extreme precision, almost as if he was measuring his tefillin. Meaning, the same kind of um, halachic concern a person has to make sure, an analogy which I think is applicable to us, um, when you choose your Arba Minim, and you're trying to figure out the beauty of, you know, is your lulav or your esrog right? And you do this like really careful examination, looking for the tiniest, tiniest little black dot, or in the top of the lulav to see if the teomis is even slightly spread apart. You really kind of give it all you got because you want to make sure that it's all in order. That same attention to detail needs to be applied to my day-to-day life. As a result, Rabbi Yocham says, again, a powerful statement. He We have now many more mitzvahs and a whole new Torah. I'll call Tzad Tzad on each and every step we take. Which is called the guarding, the paying attention to, the relating to Derech Eretz. The way we started to explore this was well, let's think about when we do use our seichel and when we do use our capacity to understand. And one of the easy places to find that is in our study of Gemara. When we approach a Mishnah, for example, we go through every word and we look for a nuance, we look for a detail, we look for an extra word until we can start to figure out what is the operating mechanism, what's the mystery behind what appears to the eye that we can subtly start to understand. And once we get it, then we know how it works. And once we know how it works, we can deal with it. The whole halachic process is actually all about that. The halachic process is trying to figure out how the thing works and then how there's many new applications. And the whole of life is really like that. The whole of life, both in terms of my relationship to you and my relationship to myself and my relationship to the world and the intricate mechanisms all along the way of how they work, we are now saying all of that is a way that the Bar'olam talks to me in my world. He talks to me through the sunset. He talks to me through rain. He talks to me through the way that um, interest rates rise. He talks to me through minor events and major events. He talks to me through systems. He talks to me through the way that the educational system is set up and I have to respond to that in regard to my children. He talks to me in terms of the relationships that I have, both friends, spouses, children. How do these relationships work? And it implies that in order for me to be an Eved Hashem, that means into an integrated Ben Aliyah, Ben Torah, I can't focus on religiosity and hope that that's going to do it. And then in the rest of my life, be a person that just gets away. I have to take that same serious concern for the mitzvahs which are written down in Shulchan Aruch to the mitzvahs which are imprinted onto the way the natural world works.
which basically means that the degree of intellectual, rational, cognitive awareness I need to have in order to be a respectable Ben Aliyah is huge because I can't uh, kind of ignore aspects of life and not try to understand how they work because by not trying to understand how they work means I'm not getting the message they're giving to me, which is the way Hashem, the Baron Sholem speaks to me. So just like if a person opens up a Shulchan Aruch and I say to him, look, actually, I don't have the time to read that. I would look upon as a person that's not interested uh, in applying the Ratzon Hashem in my life. So if I overlook a detail in Teva, I'm also not a person that doesn't respect the will of Hashem in my life. It's huge. This, this idea is like, it's, it's absolutely huge. It's absolutely huge. It means that, for example, give me an example, a basic example. Um, how should I go dressed in the summer on a teal? What kind of sunscreen should I, should I use? How many liters of water should I take with me? What kind of shoes should I wear? So normally you think, those are concerns which are about hiking. What Rebuchim says is, the Rebbeinu Olam, by setting up the sun that has a capacity to dehydrate, by setting up my physiological system that I'm, uh, when dehydrated, susceptible to illness and other consequences, by providing me with water and the insight to understand that the solution to the problem of dehydration is fluid intake, giving me the insight to understand how my body works and how I feel, will determine what kind of shoes. Given my understanding of how my, um, my skin functions, will determine the level of sunshade, sunscreen that I use. Now, that's not me being responsible. That's me understanding the Ras Hashem in the situation. And now, do you see how distant this is from what a person may intuitively think is Ras Hashem? If a person's a big, big, big violin winner, and he says, ha, do you know what? I'm okay. I trust in Hashem. I'm going to walk in the desert without any water. Now, we do have to make a bit of a parenthetic statement that this is, of course, Madrega number one. There is a Madrega when you run into the desert with no water and you trust in Hashem. That can exist. But that Madrega grows, is a graduation from this Madrega. Until you found Hashem in Teva, you can't find Hashem outside of Teva. There's something very disingenuous about there. something very yeah, inauthentic. It's almost like it's a cop-out. So we first of all have to, in the world that we live in, be obedient. But not to be obedient. I don't put on sunscreen because the sun will burn me. I put on sunscreen because Hashem has decreed that I can extrapolate that His will is that if I go into the sun and I don't put on the right protective gear or sunscreen, that it's going to cause me pain, and he doesn't want me to be in pain, and I recognize that. So therefore, I become obligated to behave in a way that respects the will of Hashem in that situation. I become obligated to take the right drinks into that situation. And this also undoes this ridiculous notion that religiosity makes people stupid in Olam Hazem. And religious people disregard the warnings of um, 
what we would consider the educated experts on the opinion. Rather, we have to take those into very, very, very serious consideration. Okay, so that's, I think, uh, good. Now, we're going to take this already a little bit further. I'm just dwelling on, I think this idea is something that we have to really in integrate because it's, it's a life changer literally 24 seven. It, it, it creates a whole new, a whole new range. Like the Rebbe says himself, a whole new range of mitzvahs. I never thought that the going to the shop and deciding what sunscreen to buy or what clothes to wear or what shoes to put on would be a mitzvah that I have to give the same weight as I would to when I buy my tzitzis and I make sure that they are the correct measurements and that the strings are as well tied. Just like that's a mitzvah, this is a mitzvah. And just like I have to obey that because Hashem commanded me to. I have to obey because Hashem commanded me. I have to, believe, I have to find the words of Hashem in Teva. That's also a Shulchan Aruch. It's a Shulchan Aruch of Teva. And this is like, this is huge. I don't think you know that, that Rabbi Yuchum can say these things that, that he says another language earlier on, which I thought was very powerful as well. And he says, only when you're able to keep the derech eretz, which is a teva, which is a normal rote of life, in all its details, then you can graduate to the next level, which is a miraculous level, meaning until you've graduated to that level, you're actually not allowed to skip steps. You can't like, just suddenly jump to, to level two before you've passed level one. doesn't work. Narebuchim brings a Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says the following thing: Amer Blaza, Kol Adam Amel Nivra. A person was created for work. Um, I don't mean to openly offend any Australians seated here today, but uh, the first Gemara in Sanhedrin that the Tachlis is not rest; the Tachlis is work. The truth is, I think it is, there's a lot of people that this would be a, a surprise to. Not to say people don't work, but often the focus is that person was created to rest. How does that pan out in our modern psyche that work facilitates my holidays and my working career facilitates my retirement? So that means you weren't created to work, you're created to rest. But if you rest, you'll die of starvation. So you need to work in order to rest. And in the beginning of um, sorry, in the middle of Sanhedrin, and says, Kol Adam L'Amal Nivra. Shnemai Ki Adam L'Amal Yulav. A man was born to work. So now we're born to work, which I think is, is powerful. We're actually here to do. We're not here to be. We're not here. We have to work. And I can look into the eyes of muscles and the muscles are thinking, do I really have to work? And I'm saying, yo, a muscle, even you, even you have to work. Uh, it's hard stuff. And let's see what kind of work you have to do. Because it's not clear. You know, so what do I work as? So Rabbi Laza has a few starting. Here's a sophic. He starts off by entertaining that I'm not sure if I'm created for 
the work of the mouth, meaning speech, or I'm created for work which I do with my, with my hands. We'll get you a question, Brandon, soon. When the Pasuk says, So he resolves his first difficulty. He's not sure. The work that we're meant to do is that work with our mouth, understanding and expressing, communicating, or is it work with our hands, making and building? And he says, no, it's actually, it's work with our mouth. That's what we've created for. But then he goes further and he says, But I still am, I am unsure as to whether I was created for striving in Torah, for effort in Torah, or for effort in this conversation. Maybe my whole purpose is to be able to communicate with other people in an effective fashion, and that's the work that I need to do in this world, or perhaps it's about me communicating ideas of Torah. I'm not sure about those two, says Rebbe Lalza. So Blaza had that sophic. All these are real, genuine, authentic spakers he had. He didn't know if it was to work or to speak. He said, no, it's to speak. He brought a positive to prove it. But now he still doesn't know if it's to the work of speech in general or speech in Torah. And let's see what happens next. Um, when it says the Torah should not depart from your mouth, he now is his second sophic. And he says, no, actually, a person was created for Amal Torah. And then he brings the statement of Rava, uh, which I, I, I need to look at the Gemara. I think exactly the, there's one word which I'm not quite sure. I think it means words, Droptiki. But Rava says that one who merits it, his words will be in those of Torah. So now Rebbe Ruchman says, let's think about what Rebbe Laza is saying, because his words are extremely, extremely puzzling. That his initial sophic was, well, what is the person here for? Is he here to work or is he here to, to speak? And even in speaking, was, in other words, essentially, was he here to work or is he here to learn Torah? And there was a strong sight in, in his mind that, well, maybe a person just... He had to like work the world. Like, what kind of Havamin is it? Rebelaza, what kind of Havamin is it? You know, it says Beratius, Bishop Torah, Shanika Ratius. The world was created for Ratius, Bishop Israel, Shanika Ratius. For the Yidden, they were called Ratius. You know, a person's born to, and you, you're born to work? I mean, what? Rebelaza was basically tossing up. Is the modern Western world that emphasizes careerism, perhaps, or used to back in the day before the virus came along? Careerism above everything. And, or perhaps not. That, 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 that was kind of Reb Loza's sophic. Reb Loza, Loza, he's like, that's his sophic. Same seems extremely, extremely, extremely strange. And it's only because he has a pasuk. It's not a swine. He has a pasuk. He says, no, no, no. Actually, it's not for working. It's for, it's for Torah. And even Rava's Loshan is, he says, all words are good, but you should be, you should, if you merit to speak the words of Torah, that's, that's great. That's great. Almost as if actual normal working is also important. But if you actually have the merit to, to have Torah, that's, that's amazing. Wow, that's really good. In other words, Rava was phrased not as, you've got to learn Torah. It was like, listen, this stuff is good. Happy is the man. Fortunate is the man 
that allows his words to be those of turn, not words of common discussion. But you could probably guess that based on what Rabbi Rucham has said until now, the Sophic is a really good Sophic. Rabbi Loz had a real Sophic. Because if you work in the right way, every second of your day is a Melechus Shemaim. You're working with Hashem. Because Hashem's communicating to you through the job you're doing, through the situation in, that you're with, through your peers, through your colleagues, through how you deal with Everyone is being Megale, revealing a different part of the Rabbani Shalom's will in that situation. So now it becomes a real Sophic. So is that your purpose? Meaning, do you have to live in the world of what we called previously Midas Hadin, the world of the Shaliach, where the, the way that that message addressed in Hashem, it's a very strong message, the very clear message, the very um, strict, tight cause and effect with no room for compromise. Is that the world we need to live in? In that world where we relate to Hashem only as it were through the Shaliach, through this system, which essentially is an impersonal system? Or perhaps it's for Torah. He has a Sophic. It's a real Sophic. And Rabbi Rucham says, because He's going to go explain that. Really, when Rebbe when when Lazar pointed out his doubt, his doubt wasn't only the person created for work or the person created for Torah. It's the effort, the Amal work and the Amal Torah. He says, a person was created L'Amal. First of all, a person was created to expend extreme effort. The question is, where does that effort lie? Now we understand it with greater insight. Does that effort lie in understanding the nuances of how Hashem communicates through our day-to-day, what would normally be trivial, mundane activities? In that where the effort is required? Or is the effort required in the study of Torah? Try to do the same thing in the Gemara, in the Chumash. And and what is this Amel? Now he's going to go a bit further before we go back and perhaps clarify it. He says, the Amel is, Shagia Adam, the Midas Ayefus, Ayesu Gedola. A person reaches a point of exhaustion. Ad Until he's incapable of standing up because he's completely expired of any energy. So this is a whole new, whole new thing he's introducing now. Until now, Rabbi Yuchum had made this incredible, powerful breakthrough that the world of Hashem is one. And it's not like Hashem lives in the shuls and in the Gemaras and the Shulchan Aruchs. Hashem lives in every nook and cranny of every aspect of my life. Only the mode of communication differs. When Hashem speaks through, through the world, He speaks through a veiled fashion, which our Seichel has to translate into behavioral patterns that are appropriate for the situation. He doesn't say, there's no Stephen Shulchan Aruch saying, don't go into the sun because you're going to get sunburned. He expects us to extrapolate that and make that law for ourselves. And in doing so, expands the arena of Avedis Hashem 
to every single moment of our lives, that we have to be consciously engaged in listening to the message that's being transferred by accessing the depths of our seichel, which is astonishing. It's like a whole new thing. And then he takes it further, that Reb Loza is so aware of this that he has a doubt if perhaps that's all we need to do. And then he goes on as mechadesh to us that no, actually, Torah, effort in Torah takes, takes precedence. So Aiden has a question over here, which is, why is it about the effort? Egypt work was pointless. So if work is effortful, but has no outcomes in the, what is their value? Obviously with Torah, it still is, and why work? Why not just run and have no energy? What's the difference? It's all about the effort to tie yourself out. Also, a lot of work doesn't have any seichel, it doesn't have any effect on increasing seichel. Okay, so now, clearly what Rebuchan doesn't mean, doesn't mean that a person has to work themselves to the bone, stump. He means the work that we understand is the difficulty in finding the depth of te- the depth of Hashem's rotson in the world. In other words, what's a Melis Batura aid? A Melis Batura is when, I'll give you an example of what a Melis Batura is. It's a quote from Rashi. The Pasuk is in Bechukhoisa So the Pasuk in Bechukhoisa says, if you will walk in my statutes and my message is your God, Rashi famous question asks, well, you've, if, you talk, if in Bechukhoisa is a reference to mitzvahs, You've just mentioned those immediately afterwards. So what does it mean in in my statutes you will walk? And Rashi says, you are made in Batari, you have to expend effort in Torah. And the Maral asks on that Rashi, saying, where does Rashi get that from? All the verse said was, and you'll walk in my statutes. So the Maral begins by explaining that a choik is something which is immensely difficult to understand because it's the area of Torah, which is not Mishpat, area of Torah which is not as accessible to our level of understanding. And he says, from the fact that the verse uses the verb, the verb to walk, implies two things. That in order to get from one place to another, to reach a destination, so the most basic form of transportation is our legs. We have to walk. And when you go from place A to place B, and we're not talking about walking down to the dining room, we're talking about you want to walk from, you know, one side of Jerusalem to the other, it's an extremely exhausting process. So the conceptualization of walking is moving myself from my point of departure to a new destination. And that process is an exhausting process. Think about yam le yam hike. Don't think about walking to my college. To get from point A to point B makes my krechas run out because it's walking and every time a step takes me further, but I lose some energy in the next step I take. So I made this means the implementation of, in the context of Torah, my cognitive skills to constantly be getting to a deeper understanding of a situation. That can be extremely exhausting. When you try to unravel the depth of a Gemara, of a Tosis, of a Rashi, of a Bikirega, of a Rashba, takes a lot of Amelus. But as you do so, you actually move, but you feel exhausted after moving. But every time you move from one place to another, the, the consequence is you lose energy. So the Amelus in work, OVI, doesn't mean that you get a high-profile job um, as an investment banker 
and you you know you're working from five o'clock in the morning until eleven o'clock at night on a good day. It means in the derech eretz work that we have to do, which is the same work as Torah, but just in the world of Teva, which means when I'm relating to the world around me, I have to be mimic to understand what the world is saying to me. Like a, that kind of a is, is a, requir- a prerequisite. Because when I don't put myself fully into that and I satisfy with what's on the surface, so then I will never get to the bottom of what the Ratzin Hashem is, specifically in Teva, which I take so for granted. Yes, that helps. Okay. Um, so, okay, everybody, we're going to continue this tomorrow. We've run out of time. Um, I want to thank you for your, for your attendance. And um, any questions just before we end meeting? Okay, so I want you to maybe give you a little bit of homework. I want you to pick one or two areas of your life and just to think about them. It could be the way you drink, it could be the way you eat, it could be the way you walk, it could be the way you talk. And to think about where do I see the Ratzon Hashem of Teva expressed in these moments in my life. And I think that will help us to get a better point of understanding what Rabbi Yuchim has as opposed to just reading it as theory and trying to integrate it as Torah. Shkoyach I look forward to tomorrow. Be well, be strong, be healthy. Shkoyach, shkoyach.